Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. He runs a client-centered law practice. He's tried criminal cases to jury verdict, defended cases at preliminary hearing, and negotiated settlements in massive fraud and loss cases. He's worked in the office of the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office and served as a public defender. He teaches law at the college level and, I can attest, is an accomplished, if unpublished, playwright and screenwriter. Tom Ogus, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. It's good to be here. Glad to be here. I'm very happy to have you. I know you primarily through the Inns of Court, where you have written several screenplays that we've used in our Inns of Court presentations. Yeah, that, I really feel like that was more like my uh, like, like my passion projects, you know what I mean? Like More like my things, I, if I could do anything, I'd, I'd be writing. But instead, I wanted to make a, make a living. And there's, there's not much to do in the writing area. So I do both. As much as I can. Where are you physically located right now? Where are we talking from? I am currently in my office in San Leandro. I've got a, a nice, quaint little office here in a, in a Victorian that just, other than the road noise, is uh, pretty peaceful, it's secluded. What type of practice do you have? So my practice is, is criminal defense, and it's almost entirely criminal defense. And how long have you been in practice? I've been in practice technically since the year 2000, so it's like 21 years now. That time goes fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, I've, I don't feel that old, but I, I guess it's been more than two decades of doing this. Where are you from originally? So I'm from Central California, and there's it's a tiny little town. If, if it, you would miss it on the way to the Sierra Nevadas and the Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park, but I grew up in a tiny little town at the at the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, population like 8,500. Uh, and I, then after, you know, growing up there, I immediately got out and went to Los Angeles for law school and college. Well, before we get you out of that small town, what was the name of it? Exeter, California. So it's, yeah, in Tulare County. And where'd you go to high school? Same place, Exeter. And, and, and my town was like the, uh, the high school was, was for multiple towns. It was a unified high school. So there were about four different small communities that got together and had one high school in Exeter. What did you do in high school? Did you have any activities, sports, academic interests? I was one of those kids that, that I, did, I did everything. I, I, was, I was doing two or three different sports, mostly water sports. I was doing uh, fall and the spring play. I was in band for a couple of years. I had a, a magical choir, which was like a touring choir I was in, uh, student council, mock trial for four years and a bunch of other little clubs and interests and whatever else I, I could fill my time with, frankly. Wow. So when you graduated from Exeter, where'd you go to college? Pepperdine University, which is in Malibu, Southern California. Probably one of the best views of any college anywhere in the world. Absolutely. It was, I was pretty fortunate because we, my, my high school actually took a bunch of us, uh, when we were juniors and seniors, the, uh, the higher, 
the gate kids or the college prep kids. My high school district paid for about 20 of us to go on these college tours. And we did two of them, one for Southern California, one for Northern California. And Pepperdine was one of the stops along the way. And uh, yeah, just visiting that campus was, was, was remarkable. And it made a great impression on me. What were you involved with at college? So in college, I did uh, communications, but I was I worked for the local theater. I took classes in acting, playwriting, directing. I actually put on, I directed my own one-act play when I, my junior year while I was working, mostly doing stage work, backstage work for the theater. And I did a little bit of other things around the university, but I was a college student, so I was hanging out with friends and exploring and enjoying my freedom for the first time you know, in my young adult life. Now, at some point, you decided that you wanted to go to law school. Yeah, when I was in high school, one of my many hobbies was doing um, mock trial competitions. And our, my little school was actually pretty good. We went to the state competition one year in Sacramento, and I did it for four years. And that's like that's like acting, and you know, and so it was. It's acting, but it's also debate. It's also improvisational. There's a lot of aspects I enjoyed. So I was trying to think what to do with my life, like we always do at some point. And I could have just, you know tried to stick with screenwriting, but I, the practical side of me said, you enjoy this law stuff, this is fun, you had a great time doing it, why not apply? So I applied to one law school, which was Pepperdine, where I was already at. What was it that drew you to the law? Uh, it's a, a lot of different mixed things. I was more interested in the doing, and, um, and when I was younger, I enjoyed the stakes the idea of the importance of it, the idea of this was this was this mattered. These are people's lives, people's liberty, these were people's rights. So there's a lot the drama of it all, law and order and TV shows and things we've grown up with, was appealing when I was younger. As I got older and started to live that, it's changed a bit. You went directly from undergrad at Pepperdine into law school at Pepperdine. You didn't take any time off. That's right. And when you got out of law school, what was your first legal job? Well, when I was in law school, I was working at the LADA's office for two years as an, as an intern. So in a sense, that was a legal job. I was doing, you know, 40 hours a week at Deloitte and Touche, helping them do tax accounting software and uh, creating forms and, and do, this, you know, this sort of paperwork generation, frankly, until I finally got the job interview with the public defender, accepted that job. And two weeks later, I was, I was working again. So you would done some clerking at the district attorney's office while you were in law school. That's right. And then you ended up getting your first real legal job was as a public defender. Was there some reason that you made that switch or was it just sort of the people who offered you a job? It really is more the second, <laughs> frankly. At the time, as a brand new attorney at a law school, I, I felt like I could do either job. I just, I felt... I didn't have a strong calling at the time. When I was doing a mock trial in high school, I always did defense. And I kind of liked that, the flavor of that better from a, a purely dramatic standpoint. I, I felt it, was, I, it suited me better. But I didn't really feel like I had a calling when I was younger. And when I was in the DA's office, the LADA guys that I worked with were very casual, very friendly, very family-oriented, very easy to work with. And there was nothing about the job from what I saw as a student that would have turned me off to it. So when as a young person straight out of law school, I was open to whatever. Things, my eyes, my, my opinion changed dramatically when I started working in the field. So I don't, I don't know if I could do it now. I don't know if I could be a DA now. Uh, but back then, 
when I'm 26 years old, I thought, oh, I could, I could do either job. You know, either one seemed appealing to me. Why would you not want to be? Maybe it's just because of my age, or maybe I'm just used to this. I don't know. But it does feel like, from the outside, that, they, that most DAs don't have as much individual control over outcomes. I mean, I, I know that their office, their office has tremendous control over outcomes. They have tremendous power. They have tremendous ability to, to do their, and I, I would love to be a DA for that purpose, just to be able to do the right thing. Like if presented the correct evidence, do the right things, do justice. But it feels like most DAs don't have that ability. They have to ask permission from somebody else. I assume there was some of that when you were a public defender. I mean, yeah, yeah. When I was a public defender, uh, things changed. Well, when I was a public defender, uh, of course, for all of us in defense, the client, the client decides. Right? We don't. The client decides. They have ultimate authority. But when I was a, an attorney in their office, I had nobody above me telling me how to resolve my cases. I had no supervisors that had that told me, you know, when to plea, when not to plea, or whatever. If if the client liked the offer. Uh, we made the deal, and nobody looked over my shoulder. How long did you spend as a public defender? Uh, five years. And then what brought you out of the public defender's office and into private practice in Alameda County? Well, my, my wife, who at the time was not my wife, <laughs> but we were together for a while, uh, she decided that she was going to do a, a post-doc at UC Berkeley and let me know. She applied, was accepted, and she's starting in the fall. And it was one of those crossroad moments. I mean, if, if I wanted to go with her, which I, had, I wanted to do, I really had to give up and start over. I, I had to, you know, I, so I decided to do that. I, I gave my notice, I picked a date, I kind of cashed out my five years of retirement, which wasn't a lot of retirement, and moved to the Bay Area with just that money in my pocket with the idea, I'll just open my own practice. It'll take me a while. I'll spend some money on advertisement, but it'll work. I'll make it work. And it worked out. It wasn't always easy. It hasn't been easy. It's money goes up, money goes down. Having no benefits, you know, uh, no paid vacation. It's it's one of those things about being in in sole practice. But I'm still here. I'm I'm making it work. What do you really like about practicing law? It's not boring. Uh, It's what I guess it's one of those things. It's it's busy. It matters. It, It can be stressful as hell, though. I'm because work, work stays with you. Work stays with me. It stays in my head. Even after I've, I've left the office, these things, these problems don't go away. So I do like when things work out. They don't always work out. But when they do, um, it's, it, that feels good. It feels good to make a difference in somebody's life, uh, even a little bit. So that, that aspect of it is what kind of keeps me going. If a young person were just coming out of college and thinking about law as a career, would you recommend it? It's, it's not for everybody. It's, it's not for everybody. I don't I, I It depends on if I knew that person. I really have to know them. But I do say this. I'll, the youth, you got to be young to start in this career. You need that youthful energy, that, that, that boundless youthful energy, because there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to go through. There's a lot to, to suffer through. There's, there's, we're gonna fail. We're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes, and, and there's gonna be grief and guilt, and resentment and regrets, and and that's just part of the journey. So this is not a simple or stress-free career. 
Uh, but it's something that can we can, all of us that do this, I think most of us feel like there's good days and bad. And I guess the good days hopefully uh, make the bad days worth it. How is practicing law actually met or differed from your expectations about it? I'll put it this way. When you're young and you what you know about the law comes from television, comes from movies, comes from entertainment media. None of us actually go to the courtroom, sit down and watch it. So it's very, very different in reality as opposed to on television. But the one thing that took me, that really took me by surprise and took, takes all of us by surprise is how, how, much is in the, how much is in the eye of the beholder, the interpreter, how much the law isn't necessarily about what really happened. And that's tough for people to understand. It's tough, that's something I didn't understand when I first started it. What's written down on paper, what people say in court, what's, these things aren't necessarily and usually aren't entirely the truth. I've always said there's nowhere you can go to kind of get the capital T truth. You know, yeah. the, the truth is what a judge or a jury thinks the truth is. I mean, we ultimately take um, whatever happened, um, happened. It's like we talk about hearsay and how much we hate hearsay, but we're at multiple levels of it in court where what the jury sees has been filtered through so many different people and parties and lenses and filters and then even what's admissible and not admissible and what each side decides to show and not show and there's so many things that get in the way of what actually happened that i don't know why we we have a jury that doesn't know anybody that didn't see anything that happened they're so far removed from the actual events and that we ask those people it's those people to decide when the rest of us probably have a better idea about what really happened how about the business of practicing law? You kind of touched on this about going into private practice and being responsible for yourself, not having days off or paid vacation, that sort of thing. But what about the business of practicing law? How's that gone for you? It's up and down. <laughs> and the, the part that's hardest for me is I, I, I just, I don't, I'm actually not bad with sales because sales in our business is just being yourself. It's about making a relationship with somebody and, and, and if the client likes you and their family likes you, then they'll come back to you again. They'll, their brother will come back to you. Their cousin will come back to you, their neighbor, whatever. So that part's easy. The hard part for me is collections. I'll get a, I'll get a payment up front like we all, we all have to do to get started because people will promise to pay you, but they, they, they don't pay. I hate when somebody doesn't pay or, the, or, or I split it. I'll spread payments out sometimes and then they have to remind people and remind people and remind people and... And that part of the job I, I'm terrible at is trying to get people to, to pay. I was a public defender for five years, and that really sank into me. That really, there's a mentality as a PD where you don't do this for money. Uh, when you're a PD, yeah, you have a salary. You don't think about that. I have a salary, benefits, et cetera, so I'm being paid. So these people that I work with, I'm just here to help them. In, in private practice, I don't have a salary. I don't have benefits. I don't have anything. So I need these people to help me do this job. And that part has always been the struggle, how to, how to manage that and be someone they can trust at the same time asking them for money. And that, that relationship has always been something I still work with. Is there anything that you know now that you really wished you had known before you started practicing? A lot. <laughs> A lot. I'm trying to think of one example of something that I know now. But I, I'll put it this way. The most beneficial things that I learned 
in a practice is about, frankly, relationship. And it's not just with, I mean, with, with other attorneys, obviously, but also with, the, with DAs, with court staff, with judges, with all the people that work in this, with, with bailiffs. Then how important it is that we all kind of work together, get along to help the clients. The clients don't necessarily understand that or see that. Yeah, you know, my dad practiced law for over 50 years in New York City, and I, I may have said this before on this podcast, but I think it bears repeating. When I first started practicing, he said, you know, you're going to be nice to the judge and you're going to be nice to the other attorneys. He says, but always remember, there's a clerk, there's a bailiff, there's a court reporter, and those people deserve your friendliness, they deserve your respect, and frankly, they can make or break your life too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I think that's I think that's that's really important is is having those relationships with you know the attorneys and the judges, but also with the court staff because those are people who we interact with every day. And I think some people perhaps don't quite get that as much as you do. I think we all learn it. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we all learn it. <laughs> it's for those those lessons that. that you, you really quickly, you pick up on it, at least for me. What advice would you give to somebody just starting out as a young criminal defense attorney? Uh, you need other lawyers that can help you out. Uh, I was really fortunate. And at the PD's office I was in in Tulare County, there was, it was a, felt like a family. It felt like a team. You need people, especially early on, that you can lean on, that you can learn from, that you can watch, that you can talk to about what they did. So you, you got to have that as a new attorney. Otherwise, you're just going to, I don't know, you probably drown in the things you don't know. So having a support network is vital and people that you can count on. Do you think the legal system is fair? And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's, I, I don't think I can say that. I really don't. I mean, we have rules that apply equally to everyone, right? And that's the, that's the best we can do. That's really the best we can do as human beings, as a society. As long as, as long as the rules are equally applied, which most of the time, I guess, I guess, as long as the, you know everyone can call upon the same body of law. But individuals who have money have a, have a huge advantage. Now, I know that you, as I mentioned, have written some plays and some screenplays. Can you just tell us a little bit about your your writing, whether it's published or unpublished, and what brings you to that and what sort of things you write about? First off, the um, Earl Warren American Inn of Court, which is here in Alameda County, which is an, uh, a group I have been a member of. What we do in that group is that the teams get together, and every year there's different teams that are formed, and the team is responsible for teaching something, in the, which is law-related, but that's boring. Nobody wants to go to a, you know, an MCLE presentation. We've seen a million of those. So instead of just doing a blah-blah in a legal presentation, we all compete to make the most entertaining, most interesting, most fun presentation, which typically leans a lot heavier into entertainment with some sort of underlying legal message being taught. So when I gather with the team, we kind of do two things. One is figure out, well, what do we want to teach? Like, what's our message? And number two is, well, what do we want to use as our entertainment medium? And we so we, well, we will marry like a, a movie or a television show or a book with a legal principle. I mean, so I've, I've over the years written a story about Sherlock Holmes and, and, and Watson. I've done uh, 
Romeo and Juliet from Shakespeare. I've taken The Walking Dead and turned that into like an actual award-winning presentation about jury selection. Done Law Law and Order one year, The West Wing, Back to the Future. We take different fun mediums and we kind of make an interesting legal underlying story. What is your family life like and how has practicing law fit into that? It it's, hasn't been hasn't been easy. It, there's there was times where law got in the way, and then there was a backlash where that wasn't so good for the family. So I've kind of I've pushed back a lot, and I've done my best lately to try to make more time and make kind of hard limits between work. Kind of force myself to have work life separation. Where at a certain time of the day, for me it's like five o'clock. I just can go to voicemail. I don't, I don't open work emails I, and unless, I was in, unless I'm in trial or something like that, you know. But for the most part, I do my very best to intentionally split time and intentionally take days off and intentionally not work on weekends as much as I can physically help it and try also not to take too much work. That's, that's always difficult. But. Do you have <laughs> so kids? I, I've been trying. I got one kid and, and just one kid is enough. One kid is enough work for me. How about any recreational pursuits, any sports or anything that you like to participate in in order to clear your head a little bit from practicing law? Basketball is a great diversion. I, I, I'm excited about it. I follow it. I love it. As far as activities go, I'm, I'm, I hike. I like the get side. So that's most of what I do is, is hiking and walking, um, hiking, camping, things like that. How do you define success for yourself? For myself, uh, it's really about um, being happy. I guess that's the best word I've got. Because I, I don't define success at a particular monetary value. I don't think there's a way to can't put a number on it. And, I, and also, that, that feels like to get to a number also requires a certain equal level of stress and pressure and responsibility. So somewhere there is a balance. And wherever that balance is between you know, not enough and too much, it, it's the happy place. What sort of things keep you up at night? It's the cases. <laughs> I hate that. I, I've been working on meditation, and I'm still working on meditation. But for, for some reason, maybe it's just me, maybe other people that practice have the same problem, where I will not think about something all day and all night, and then when I go to bed, I'll remember what I have to do tomorrow, what I, what I did earlier today, what I have to do next week. And I'll work out conversations. I'll work out options. I'll work out arguments. I'll work out, I'll ponder, did I explore this issue? Did I read this document? All those things that I didn't think about earlier, I'll jump it when I'm trying to go to sleep. That's when they kind of just tackle me. So I'm working on that. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really difficult about this profession is there is no one right way to do it or any one right way to handle any particular case. And I think all of us end up to some extent, kind of second guessing ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And it's stressful. <laughs> it is. It, it's just, it doesn't, it spins. It's like my mind spins. And even if I did the right thing, my mind's still questioning, oh, well, what about this other thing you could have done? Uh, what about this other thing you, you didn't talk about? Uh, what if, you didn't consider this one option here. And I just eventually have to wear myself down or you know, find ways to clear my head and finally get some sleep. Let's say you came into some real money, three or four billion dollars. What would you do differently in your life, if anything? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a whole lot. 
Uh, I'm wondering if at that level I'm sports ownership material. That would be that's my that's the dream. Just buy or invest in a sports franchise. Those things just make money constantly, so you don't have to worry. You're covered. But anyhow, I mean, mostly what I would do if I had real money is buy the necessary things and then do very little work. I, I, I just try to spend time with people that I like being with. I might do a little bit of volunteer work here and there, but I, I don't feel like I would be practicing law. I might teach still. I do enjoy teaching. I think I would still enjoy that. Yeah. Tell uh, me a little I, bit about your teaching. Yeah. So it's been 12 years now where I, I got lucky. I, I knew somebody who taught at Cal State East Bay and they, uh, their, the guy who was doing criminal law wasn't going to do it. And so they needed somebody. And so I said, well, I do that. And I also taught mock trial when I was, when I was a public defender, I did five years of coaching for mock trial. So I was pretty good at teaching, or at least I thought so. It's nice explaining these things. I just enjoy talking about it and kind of answering questions and having conversations and, and addressing kind of areas where people have misconceptions. Tom, how do we get hold of you? If someone's listening to this podcast, really wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? All right, well, so my name is Thomas Ogus. I'm a, I'm a criminal attorney here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Alameda County. I've got an email address, which I'm sure Lewis, if he wants to, he can, he can put in the show notes for this. So you can email me. You can look me up on Google, which works pretty well. So please repeat your email address one more time for us, and I will get it in the show notes. <laughs> All right, great. So my email is Tom, T-O-M, at... Ogus Law Firm, and that's O-G-A-S-L-A-W-F-I-R-M dot com. Great. Thanks, Tom. Um, All right. Thank you. Tom, before we leave, is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we have not discussed? I I think nothing is nothing's coming to mind. I think we kind of hit on the good stuff. Tom Ogus, thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Lewis. I've, I've been real happy to have this conversation with you. I, I guess as a technical note, everyone calls me Tom, uh, which is what I go by casually. But uh, when I'm on the record, and for government purposes as well, I'm Thomas. So, But Tom, everyone calls me Tom, and that's if you, if you know me, that's what I go by. Well, goodbye, Tom. <laughs> goodbye, Lewis. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks as always to my guests who share their wisdom. And Joel Katz for music, Ryan Matheson for technical support, and Trace Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. So that's, that's, that's complicated. That's really complicated. The law itself isn't a draw. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, there's volumes and volumes and volumes of codes, decrees, rules, and analysis. That wasn't the draw for me. Uh, that's, another, that's, another, that's another complicated question.